0: You're listening to the Pac-12 Conference of Champions Delve Into the 12 Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the second episode of the Pac-12 Football Delve Into the 12 Podcast. Once again, I'm Spencer Jarvis, and we've got an exciting Week 1 recap ahead, along with Week Two's matchups and predictions. Happy to say I'm not a one-man band today. Joining alongside of me, weighing in at 5'10", 175 pounds, and gaining is Luis Cepeda. Luis, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Excited to get this show on the road. Absolutely, man. It's good good to have you with me today. So like you said, we got a lot of information to cover. So let's jump right into it with the most exciting matchup of the week. Arizona State-USC, the 9 a.m. game in the Coliseum, USC, squeaked by with a 28-27 win against the Sun Devils. With Arizona State in control most of the game, they took a 27-14 lead down to three minutes left in the fourth quarter. All smiles on the ASU sideline until a tip ball caught for a touchdown on a fourth and 13 put USC within one score. Botched onside kick from ASU recovered by USC gives them the ball back. You can guess what happens next. Keaton Slovis, he does his thing on a fourth and nine. He goes over the top, through a window, around a door, you know, finds Drake London for the touchdown. ASU does get the ball back, but just can't convert. USC wins uh, with 343 left to play in the game. ASU up 27 to 14. ESPN tracker has ASU listed with a 99.8% chance to win the game. Obviously, we know that the game, it's never over until the scoreboard says. What happened down the stretch for USC to win this game, though?
1: Yeah, no, that is just, it's luck. You know, there's there's absolutely no strategy behind that. They got the ball bounced their way. And, and like you said, it's not over until it's over. And things like that can happen. Um ASU had their opportunity to both score and stop USC at the same time. So they should also look at themselves and, you know, kind of look at their execution down at the stretch there. But at the same time, USC got lucky and they took very good care and advantage of their chance. Yeah, no,
0: you definitely mentioned some good points there. I think uh, I think you could really tell how young ASU was. I mean, I think there's a lot of key factors to play into this game for Arizona State's loss. One of them being uh, Frank Darby getting hurt. Frank, Hart, he, he, Frank Darby, he starts, he's only got one reception, two yards within, I think it was the first or second drive of the game, he gets hurt. That's their ex-receiver. That's their main receiver. Um, you, how did this affect ASU's passing game? Well, I mean, I think you saw it very early on with Johnny Wilson and and L.V. Bunkley Shelton. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, I think now with Darby going out, it. it very quickly put asu's young wide receivers right into the fire um what i expected more of and kind of something that we heard a lot of over this offseason was sack hill's offense and how much they were going to use their their tight ends and, and you know that's kind of the expectation that we had and, and not a single tight end that received a catch um sure they were used in, in run blocking and everything and the the rushing attack did pick up, and ASU did great there. But um, Jaden needed that help over over the air, and we definitely did not see that from any of their tight ends or any of the young receivers really step up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think Curtis Hodges had what one catch. Jaden had 134 yards in the air. Uh, yeah, Frank Darby goes down. LV Bunkley, Shelton. I think he had a respectable game. Um, he did have that key fumble. Right. It didn't lead yep. to points. Uh, But it still hurt. You definitely saw pregame or uh, first game jitters from LV LeVon. Um, Johnny Wilson, though, man, big six, seven possession receiver. Jaden looked to him. What I liked with Jaden is he he definitely didn't trust him at certain times, but you could see him on the sidelines. I mean, after his second and third drop ball, Jaden, he's there trying to help Johnny Wilson mm-hmm. out a little bit. I'm, I'm hoping this will be Johnny Wilson's worst game of his college career. Right. I feel like he can only go up from here.
1: Exactly. And you saw, and something that you alluded to, is Jaden kept going back to him. Yeah, it's your first game, and I get it, and I'm sure Jaden also – you know kind of related to him like hey i was there i was nervous sure the situations were completely different and you're not playing usc right out of the gate but you know this guy is supposed to be a big time receiver he's supposed to come in you know we flipped him from oregon right Mm. that that was the whole thing around asu so he he this was the absolute game he needed to come in and perform he didn't oh well now he needs to take that move on and go on to the
0: next game on the defensive side for ASU, Jack Jones and Chase Lucas, they had a pretty decent game. I think, I think in my prediction in, in week one, really, I, I had ASU out coaching USC in this game. And I think, again, with Keaton Slovis being an absolute threat, I think that defensive strategy mm-hmm. was fantastic. I think their game plan was phenomenal up until really the last few minutes of the game. Um, but that's after fatigue and cramps. I, USC could not go over the top. I think mm-hmm. when Jack Jones comes out of this game, that's when Keaton Slovis's confidence goes up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, the, the game plan that the both, you know, new defensive coordinators set forward was really Pitched perfectly. Um, yes, there was. There's really no way to just shut down this air raid offense. You know, they're always going to get the yards no matter what. So it's always best to just zone up, and that's exactly what they did. Um, Slovis had some early misses. You know, even throughout the game, but he's just too good for them not to put up those yards, for him not to find those windows and, and get those yards for for the really the star players that they have. And although yes. Um, ASU played a great game, and their secondary played awesome. Um, obviously, it just came down to the last couple of minutes, and something that the, really the ASU secondary didn't have any control over.
0: Yeah. Even after losing this game, ASU went from seven votes uh, to be in the top 25 to 11. Uh, they, they, their ranking jumped from 39th to 31st. This USC team, they came in at 20 and they stayed at 20. And I believe all of this had to do with the 9 a.m. start that they had. You know, Rather than right. these teams playing in a Pac-12 after-dark game like they're used to, I think this solely has to do with the 9 a.m. start. Mm-hmm. These two teams, they finally got some East Coast recognition. People on the other side of the country, they recognize that this ASU team, despite being young, can actually ball out. Um, and, I mean, this is the, the seventh youngest team in the country. Uh, unfortunately for ASU, we got the tiniest glimpse of it in the last few minutes of the right. fourth quarter, yeah. ultimately costing them the game. Uh, some positives to look at, though, for ASU, this ASU team, they're the only team in the country who suited up for their first game of the season without one player on their depth chart with a carry from the 2019 season. They've mm-hmm. got three running backs on their depth chart, and we saw some good things from freshman Chip Trayonum and Juco transfer Rashad White
1: right yeah and you saw them being both tossed in there right away they did not hold back they did not ease him in immediately um you see white with 12 rushes 76 yards but he also had three catches and 70 yards one touchdown that was really the biggest play over the air really even though it was a it was a little bit of a running back screen there but um obviously a pass and then you get chip and and they did exactly what they were going to do with him they ran between the tackles and this guy just Wants to hurt people. Um, Twelve rushes, 84 yards, two touchdowns. He did not look like a freshman at all. He looked like he belonged there. He looked like he he was basically almost gonna score every time. He he was in great shape. Um, we didn't see gotta come in, but we did have a three-headed monster with Jaden. Um, he rushed for another 11 or 11 rushes for 111 yards as well. So that rushing attack on ASU is definitely getting hot.
0: Yeah, man, Jaden, Jaden with his legs, you could see him unleashed in the sense of running the ball more. It seemed like last year he would slide, you know, when he could pick up 3-4 more yards, 2 to 2 to 4 yards, um but he he'd take that slide because they needed him as quarterback, but yeah, he Jaden definitely got it done with his feet. As well, right, and you have to think you also that place into him knowing that he doesn't have the
1: weapons on the outside. You know, um, it's he has to put on a little bit more pressure on himself. He's not going to force it. We know that he can take care of the football, so he's not just going to throw into tight windows and possibly get turnovers there. So he's like, I don't know, let's get on my back and run.
0: Yeah, it, it, this is this is a an ASU team where mid season last year, Herm Edwards held a press conference. And said, "We need O lineman." I remember hearing that and thinking, you know, that sounds absolutely desperate. Uh, you know, mid-season to say we need O lineman, come, come to us in the mm-hmm. transfer portal. And he got his wish in the in the fact that two offensive linemen transfer uh, transfer in, and they win the starting job. You you also add Cade Cody, 6 year senior, uh, along with two two linemen that they previously had, and you got yourself a lineman. Mm-hmm. How would you say that factored into their run game this year? Yeah, no, I mean, you definitely saw instances
1: where the run game was successful, obviously putting up over 250 yards, um, but at the same time, you did see them struggle a little bit in the passing game, and, and Daniel not, is not necessarily having the time that he wants where he's feeling comfortable. Um, obviously, USC also has some great talent on that front seven. You have Drake Jackson, who's just a complete animal, so um, you, you see a little bit of a game for First game jitters, kind of getting everybody to to be on the same page and mesh well. But they have the, the tools to have a, a solid and consistent line. Now they just need to actually put it together.
0: On the other side, let's talk about the winners. Uh, obviously, USC is the team to win that game 28 to 27. I think a lot, of, a lot of people in the country knew that that was a bit lucky in a sense. Um, but what are your thoughts on this USC team? after week one, and, and Keaton Slovis in particular, really. Yeah,
1: I think, um, and, and the ranking, really, of them not even going up to 19 shows that, that maybe this team was a little bit over overlooked or, you know, too too highly thought of, if you will. Um, yeah, the passing attack was successful. They had over 380 yards, um, but it was exactly what ASU wanted them to do, Um they could have easily ran the ball a lot more, and they just did not make that adjustment. Obviously, it was successful for them since they ended up winning. But if they would have lost, and you could have taken a look at that and said, "Well, how come we didn't run the ball more?" That that's something that they can get they can look at. Um, overall, their their defense played well. They obviously their passing attack or their secondary shutdown or passing attack. They have that that talent. They have the the veterans on that back end to very. Easily shut our young receivers down. Um, but I don't know, at the same time, I feel like it was just a very overwhelming performance by all three facets of the game by USC.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Tyler Vaughn and Amon Ross St. Brown, both fantastic receivers. Uh, but with the secondary of ASU, it seemed like Keaton Slovis was doing a lot of dumps, dump offs uh, to to stay fresh, though. In mm-hmm. a sense, is is it's not like he got cold with with uh, not throwing the ball down the field. Is he he wanted to take his yeah, shots? Right. You could see that he was smart about it as well. Yeah, I mean, other than the one pick from uh, well, defensive player of the week, Merlin Robertson was the second time in his career with that big interception. Um, you, ASU couldn't capitalize points, but. Keaton Slovis wanted to sling the ball around and it started short short passes until uh you know when he needed to to throw the ball in the air he did get it done so
1: yeah and it was definitely the Drake London show when it came to to those receivers yeah Mm -hmm. they have talent all over but he made some great plays he he went over the middle a few times and and he was being the physical one out there he was not afraid to to punish anybody
0: yeah, absolutely. I think this USC team played fairly well. 95 total plays to ASU 61. You know that that's what 34 more plays. Uh, this USC team also five for eight on fourth downs. There's so many teams in the country we don't, they don't even go for it eight times in the season on fourth and down uh, on fourth down. Let alone during a, a COVID pandemic with only a six game schedule. This team went for it eight times and were successful on five of that. I think uh, their defense. Definitely played better in their offense than their offense. But in the end, Keaton Slovis, ice in his veins, kept his arm fresh all game long, short throws. And in the end, he delivered the game winner for the USC Trojans. So any last final remarks on this game?
1: Yeah, no, just would like to see what what USC we get moving forward. Um, A lot of us thought that this ASU would be their toughest matchup um, until, you know, potentially Oregon. Um, So let's see what they do. Um, They did have four turnovers, so... Um, again, it was a very lucky win for them. We'll see how they come out next week. Much more concentrated. Um, they have a very favorable matchup against U of A, who has not played yet. Um, USC is now warm. We'll see what Slovis gets to do.
0: Awesome. Moving on to the uh, next game, of the uh, second game of the week, Oregon Ducks merge victorious against the Stanford Cardinal, 35-14. I predicted Oregon winning this game 38-16, not very far off. Can we all give it up for me for a second? Almost had that ASU game as well, too. But anyways, this Oregon Duck team, obviously the favorites to come out of the Pac-12 going up against a respectable Stanford team. What do you see from this Oregon team moving forward after week one?
1: Yeah, no, I see a rushing attack that is going to be leading this offense. Um, But at the same time, I see a a brand new quarterback that could potentially be taking this offense into new levels. Um, Tyler Shaw came in there and he... He managed that offense very well. He did not make mistakes. Um, Obviously, him being able to run that ball, giving them that RPO option, um, it's just great for their style. They have the tools for it. Um, C.J. Verdell had a great game on the ground.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. C.J. Verdell, 20 carries, 105 yards and a touchdown, clearly the main back in that offense. Uh, Along with C.J. Verdell, you got Travis Dye, Six carries, 78 yards, and a touchdown. And I'll always find an excuse to say my man's name. Cyrus Habibilikio, the greatest last name in college football, found himself in the end zone. Unfortunately, Habibilikio had to mention that name again. He did have a costly, or not too costly of a fumble. Uh, Stanford didn't capitalize on it, but he did have that fumble. He's more of a uh, hammer back when they they need only uh, one to three yards, really. But C.J. Verdell, the main Mm -hmm. back in that offense, um, yeah, like you said, this Oregon team a, a much different look than last year, with Justin Herbert and kind of an, an air raid offense with right. his arm. I mean, I remember watching the ASU Oregon game last year, and uh, it seemed like Oregon's rushing was in control of that game. But when it came down to it, we got to get Herbert the ball. Bo- we got to mm-hmm. get Her- Herbert throwing the ball. When I think Oregon probably would win that game if they stuck with the right. run. And You really saw it in this first game. Uh, I think, like you said, Tyler Shug adding that read option. I think that's going to be huge mm-hmm. on the ground. E- yeah. E- yeah, go for I, it. Yeah. I, I
1: mean, no, they they came in first game and they have 40, 40 rush attempts as a team, you know. Wow. Um, Tyler with 11 of those. So now that option just opens up. All their athletes can can be on the field now. And he's going to be spreading that ball around, you know. Johnny Johnson, four ca- catches. DJ Johnson, five catches. Pittman on his, is just a great catch on that long deep throw um so no, that he has the tools there's going to be athletes all over like usual for oregon uh it's now time of you know how long it's going to take them to fully get up to speed with that offense uh and what damage they can do
0: yeah absolutely tyler tyler shug as well we didn't know who was going to start this game Mm -hmm. you know we there there was potentially the uh the opportunity for anthony brown to start for this Ducks offense, but Mario Cristobal, he kept it quiet really until this first game. So, with him coming out here, you know, 17 of 26, 227 yards in the air, one touchdown with his arm, uh, also an interception, though. How do you see him settling in for week two?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a question of how easy it is for him to make adjustments moving forward. Um, Defensive coordinators are not going to have film. Um, They're going to see how uh, Oregon runs their offense. So they're obviously going to try to... Put certain packages in to confuse Tyler as a, as a new quarterback so we'll see how he adjusts to that what kind of um, challenges he encounters and, and how he goes through that um, but at the same time it's extremely easy when you can just dump it off to CJ Verdell um, mm-hmm. you have the weapons like I mentioned earlier as well but but as a whole as long as Tyler is comfortable in, in, in this offense with that RPO they will be fine. You know, their defense is not going to lose them any games. It's all about now how can you score more than
0: Oregon. And if this offense is rolling, I don't know if you can. I think they're really just going to continue to roll as well. I think if he makes his reads, continues to make his reads well, he did have that one pick where he, he clearly didn't make the right the right read, uh, gets more zip on his ball. I, I fully agree with that statement. I think this Oregon offense is going to continue to roll. Uh, highlighting some of Stanford as well, though, this team – they saw some glimpses of what they used mm-hmm. to be with the ground game in Austin Jones 20 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, really, Nathaniel Pete, as well, he had six carries busting that one, uh, was a 73, was a 73 yard run. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this Oregon defense allowed 197 yards total on the ground to Stanford again. I think Oregon is for sure the better team with Stanford still being respectable, uh, but what were the factors contributing to this loss for Stanford? Would you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, they're, they're starting quarterbacks out. Davis Mills is out. Um, he did not test positive for COVID, but it was just in that contact uh, tracing situation. So he should be back next week. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's tough for any quarterback to go into um, Austin and play Oregon. Mm-hmm. But now to be uh, Jack West, you know, you were not expecting to be the quarterback to begin with. How can you prepare? How can you go in there? And, and he honestly didn't do too bad, you know, 13 for 19 But, you know, the the passing attack was not what it would have been with Mills. You know, the, it was a lot more conser- conservative, shorter passes, obviously running the ball a lot with Jones and Pete. you yeah. know. Yeah, so um, at the same time, they, they lost. Uh, like I said, they, they had a couple of people with COVID that, that were out. You know, how can how can you really go up to Oregon, you know, capitalize? They, they were able to move the ball a lot. They were able to put up a lot of yards. But at the same time, they only turned that into 14 points. And that's also credit to Oregon for what they were able to do in that
0: red zone situation. For sure. I think Stanford, they still have a respectable year with that as well. I think they've got their toughest opponent out of the way. I think they'll make the necessary adjustments to put more points on the board than their other teams. Um, I think Stanford will probably still go 4-2. and two. I don't see them getting past Washington potentially. But, uh, yeah, I think with with playing this, this Oregon team um, – and and not playing with their starting quarterback i think they grow i think Mm -hmm. they grow they learn from this and they have a respectable uh shortened season but
1: yeah i I can see them going forward too i do have that matchup with washington to to kind of be the the decider um at the same time i do have that matchup with cal you know that at the same time Mm -hmm. depends how cal comes we haven't seen them play but but yeah no this is a team that from stanford that can either play really well um play up from their expectations, really, you know, we're kind of predicting them towards the bottom of the Pac-12 North, Um, but they can easily steal a game or two and, you know, very quickly be four and two or even five and one. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens with Stanford in the uh, weeks to come as well. But let's move on to uh, Colorado and UCLA. Colorado comes into this game six-point underdogs, and they end up winning by six, 48 to 42. I did not predict that myself. Uh, Carl Durrell, he gets his first win as a new head coach for Colorado, who really is a team we didn't know too much about coming into this no. first week. We mm-hmm. saw converted safety Sam Neuer. Came, again, like I mentioned in the last podcast, comes in as a quarterback, wants to help the team, converts to safety, uh, and then he, he jumps back to quarterback. He skips out on the transfer, uh, transfer portal to then start as quarterback for this first week. Um, and he ends up being everything you'd want in a quarterback this first week. You also add in Jarek Broussard having a field day on the ground with 31 carries, 187 yards and three touchdowns. Take us more through that game, though.
1: Yeah, no, that it's incredible what Colorado was able to do. Brand new quarterback, brand new running back. And <clears throat> for them to be able to put up the yards and the points that they did, that's a credit to them. You know, they were extremely balanced in their attack. Um, Neuer, like you said, 257 yards, one touchdown in the air, but also 64 on the ground with another touchdown. And then you add, you know, 187 yards from your running back. That's never bad at all. Um, at the same time, Colorado was able to force turnovers, and that's a huge—obviously, you know everybody wants to talk about winning that turnover turnover battle, and Colorado did that. They had two early turnovers, and they just led that game for the
0: beginning. Absolutely. Colorado, four turnovers to UCLA is zero. Uh, I mean, Colorado then ended up having 92 plays in comparison to 65 from UCLA. A team's just not going to win ballgames when they run two-thirds the amount of plays that the other team runs— uh carl Durrell, like you said he did exactly what he wanted to do he mentioned in the interview before the season he needs to play to his strengths this season with the players that he got but in the end he wants to have that balanced offense and he did exactly that mm-hmm. 261 yards passing 265 four yards rushing not too bad for your first game coaching uh-huh. uh, as head coach of colorado uh, Colorado's defense didn't look as strong in the second half. Obviously, they got it done. Uh, but I'm sure, Durrell he will make adjustments moving forward. So
1: Right. And, again, that's kind of going back to UCLA. And you saw their talent on display a little bit. A very slow start, only 14 points in the first half. But then they come out in the third quarter. And DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, mm. just puts the team on its back. You know, They put up 21. And they, they really do make it a close game. Uh, but it's credit to DTR. You know, 303 yards in the air, four touchdowns, um, Mm. another 109 on the ground with another touchdown. So um, five touchdown performance, but at the same time, two turnovers, a fumble and an interception. um, And and really not even the most accurate performance he's had. He went 20 for 40. So um, a lot of great parts of this offense that, you know, show the Chip Kelly style of offense. But at the same time, their defense is not...
0: Not pulling their end. Not at all. Yeah, DTR, I mean, he looked very, very uncomfortable in the first half. Like you mentioned with his stats, though, ended up with respectable numbers despite having not a very good uh, quarterback rating. Uh, but that UCLA defense giving up. 48 points to colorado you're just not going to win ball games if you're giving up that many points per game This is also a, a team who who was 11th in the conference last year giving up 34.8 points per game uh, I mean they're leaving right they're mm-hmm. picking up right where they left right. off uh, Again, you're just not going to win ball games. a few notable big plays like you said to get this ucla offense excited um, making it a close game six point, but moving forward is this a UCLA problem, or is this a Chip Kelly problem?
1: No, I, I absolutely think it's a Chip Kelly <laughs> problem. I, I, out loud, I haven't said it much because not a lot of people like to ask for my opinion, but I am not a Chip Kelly fan, and I think the... F- the sooner that UCLA gets her of Chip Kelly, the sooner they can find a coach that can actually put something together. Um, sure, do, do I enjoy, as an ASU fan, UCLA being not good? Yes, of course. But at the same time, we all love when those teams that are supposed to be good are good. And obviously, that just elevates everybody's play. But I really don't see how UCLA can come back from this. Um, this was a game that they had to win. Even if they kind of did struggle out of the gate on their other games, you know, Utah and Oregon coming up. Um, so now it's kind of, kind of a question of which games can they even win? Um, can they be ASU? Can they be Cal? Um, can they even be U of A at this point? You know, we, we got to really figure that out with that team.
0: For sure, yeah. Like yeah, like you said, especially when they're giving up 48 points a game, your offense can only do help you out so much if your defense isn't getting it done. Uh, and they'll face a team, Utah, who comes in as a 5.5 point favorite at 8.30 p.m. on Fox. So we'll see moving forward with UCLA how well they do. Mm-hmm. Now, before we jump into the last game of the week, a quick moment of silence for our four teams who are unable to play this week. Thank you, Utah, U of A, right. Washington, and Cal. Thank you. Not a lot MVP. has changed for these four teams, but we will give our predictions on their upcoming games heading into Week Two. Now, last but not least, Washington State at Oregon State. Washington State comes in as a three. They came in as a three-point favorite, uh, and they leave Corvallis with a 38 to 28 victory over the Beavers. This mm-hmm. Washington State team looks a lot different under yep. Nick Rolovich. Man, main story here though. Begins with freshman of the week quarterback Jaden Delara. A few questionable throws, but overall, how about this guy, No, man? this
1: guy is the real deal. Freshman he, of the week. He looks the part. He has the hair flowing. <laughs> he looks good in the wasu colors. I'm all in. This is my early pick for freshman of the year. Um, he comes in and immediately makes an impact both with his arm and with his legs, putting up three total touchdowns. Like you said, a couple bad throws that did lead to a pick. Um, Um, into double coverage but at the same time those are the type of throws that you kind of want him to be able to take you know don't be afraid you know we are trusting you to be the starting quarterback and put the ball in your hand and he did definitely delivered for them um, especially delivered with a lot of their team out due to covid um due to some disciplinary reasons as well um no max borgie who was there christian mccaffrey who who was a huge part of um wasu's team last year as well so um overall a great showing they did have a couple people step up for them as well did you say christian mccaffrey for for wasu
0: i said there oh there i was like bro Chris. I mean, we jump back to Stanford. Okay. Yeah, you missed that one. Shoot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you on there.
1: Yeah, it took you a little bit of catch up. <laughs> it took me a second yeah. there. But but no, oh, they man. still had McIntosh come in there. 18 rushes, 147 yards with another touchdown. So mm. a lot of good weapons for, for JDL.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, absolutely. This ba- balanced offense for them as well. Mike Leach takes off for the SEC. Jaden Delora comes in as a freshman as well. Air Raid's gone. 227 yards passing and 229 yards rushing, like you said, even though Max Borgue was out. Deon McIntosh still got it done on the ground. Uh, Jaden Delora, how many did you say he scrambled for? He scrambled? Uh, 43 yards. 43 yards on the ground as well. So balanced offense with Wazoo moving forward. It will for sure be interesting to see uh, how well they do against Oregon next week. We'll jump into that later on, though.
1: Mm-hmm. Tough matchup for sure.
0: Yeah. Oregon State, though. Tristan Jebia comes in as the last rated quarterback in the conference during preseason, right? Big shoes to fill with Jake Luton graduating his first game 34 of 48, 329 yards in the air, and a touchdown. He only had a quarterback rating of 55. But altogether, a respectable outing from the the twelfth 12th, preseason 12th-ranked quarterback in the pack. Yeah,
1: no, overall, pretty good outing. And I would say something that I definitely didn't expect for this Oregon State team to come out and throw for 329, for sure. Um, yeah, Tristan's a little bit in the same kind of um, style that Jake Lewin was. where are not necessarily a running quarterback, so maybe it was a little bit easier for that team to... To, to kind of continue that progress they had in that offense. Obviously, it helps when you have a stud like Jefferson in the backfield, but Tristan was able to come in, command the offense, did not cost them the game. You know, maybe as he kind of progresses throughout the year, going into next year, he's going to be recent they win games. But as of right now, you cannot complain with what Oregon State has, what was kind of expected of them. Um, they have some very good pieces. Um, but but yeah, I know at the same time, they're kind of still at the bottom of that Pac-12 North.
0: For sure. Yeah, this uh, this Oregon team clearly playing to their strengths. I definitely agree there. Jamar Jefferson, like you mentioned, 120 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Uh, let's talk about their defense as well, though. I, I had Oregon State in this game. I thought Hamil- Hamilker Rasheed Jr. would step up and Omar Spates. Uh, only five tackles for Omar Spates and two for Hamilker Rasheed Jr. Not a, not a good performance from this defense. The, again, they'll need to gear up next week. Um, when they go up against, uh, oh no, who do they play next week? Who do I got next week? They got Washington next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they got tough. Washington next week. This Washington defense isn't going to give up a very many points, and so their defense is going to have to go toe with toe to toe with them. I'm not sure if they'll be able to, to be honest. So, especially in this first outing, mm-hmm. but
1: yeah, no, I mean at the same time, credit to Washington State, they were able to spread around the the ball a little bit only had 18 completions but it kind of gets spread out a couple to the receivers but at the same time they just ran the ball really well putting up 229 yards um and and even if you are you know a great all-conference linebacker uh, a solid rushing game can definitely you know shut you out a little bit, especially if they're running away from you. Um, but but we'll see. We'll, we'll see how this Oregon State come or Oregon State team comes back. Um, they did make this game a lot closer towards the end. They had that opportunity um, to potentially stop uh, Wasu when they were up 31-28. They just gave up that last touchdown. Um, so they played very well. We'll see what kind of adjustments they go and make
0: into that tough Washington game next week. Absolutely. So... That concludes the games from week one. And uh, before we jump into week two matchups and predictions, we'll move into our first ever segment of this podcast called Kicking or Sticking. This segment will be a weekly recurrence and will consist of a series of bold statements that are formed after watching each weekend's worth of games that we're either kicking with or we're sticking with. So uh, without further ado, the first question that we got, kicking or sticking? USC will go undefeated. Are you kicking or sticking?
1: Now, I want to clear something up. Are we asking if they're going to go undefeated Pac-12 South or just Pac-12?
0: Good question. Pac-12 South.
1: Okay. Pac-12 South, I do think they will go undefeated, so I'm sticking with this one. AUC was definitely their toughest game, and they came out with a very close win. Now, at this point... Their their sides need to be in convincing wins that just in case they get into that conversation of that college football playoffs, they have a resume to back it up. Obviously, that would also involve an Oregon win down the road. Um, But that those are the type of expectations that this team should be now setting for themselves.
0: My thoughts moving forward, I'm going to stick with this statement as well. Uh, I don't think they looked very good about uh, against ASU like we talked about earlier on. I think ASU was their toughest game. However, I think uh, their their opponent in the Pac-12 North is Washington State, and they did play a lot. I didn't think Washington State would be too too good this year, mm-hmm. uh, but after this first win, you know it'll be a little bit tougher of an opponent for a- uh, USC. But I think th- I think they're on a high right now. I think uh, while they did come away lucky, I think they're on a high. I think they're going to use that confidence. I think yeah. they're going to build on it. Uh, I don't know if Clay Helton will necessarily get them right for some. maybe, maybe a team like Cal or Utah. Um, I think those will probably be their two toughest games, but I think USC mm-hmm. still does go undefeated. So. Next question, kicking or sticking, no Pac-12 team will be in the playoff?
1: I am also sticking with this one. Um, I think Oregon is definitely the the clear shot at the Pac-12's one team in there, um, but I think the only way, especially if the Pac-12 has a game a game that is canceled in Oregon's schedule and maybe there's a win that's not as convincing, I really don't see um, the committee choosing a 6 win Oregon team, even if they are Pac-12 champions, um, especially the way some of the, these other teams are playing, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, Notre Dame, but but um, I think a lot of things need to go right for Oregon at the same time. But um, I just don't see it happening at this year.
0: I'm going to stick with that as well. Like you said, a six win Oregon team. I, I'm even questionable about a seven win Oregon team at this point. Um, so I, I'm going to stick with that statement for sure. Like you mentioned with the the big four dogs right there, I'd take a one loss Clemson team in comparison to uh, to Oregon. So yeah, I'm going to stick sure. with that as well. Next question. Pac-12 Conference needs to reach out to BYU if games are canceled.
1: I am kicking it. While I do wish that this happened... I just have zero confidence in Larry Scott to make anything happen positive for this conference. Um, it would obviously be great, but at the same time, a lot of perfect timing would have to go into it, with which weeks BYU currently has off, um, and at the same time, which games the Pac-12 even gets canceled, if any more. Um, it's a very nice wish, and it's you know. It would be nice to see that BYU game on the schedule, but I think too many things just have to go right and not enough for it.
0: I think you're right. I think too many things do have to go right, um, but I'm going to stick with this statement and I'll, I'll tell you why is because BYU is the highest ranked team from the west all right they, they always play utah every year and it's always a huge game mm-hmm. we uh, we had two teams last week who could not play now i know washington tried to play arizona at last second but logistics couldn't work out but i think byu this is a team that not only are they what ranked seventh or eighth they should be put on notice at least right. If, if two games canceled, this BYU team has three bye weeks. They're canceled this upcoming week against San Diego State, and they got two bye weeks. This BYU team, they, they're trying to schedule tough mm-hmm. opponents on the schedule, trying bye to prove two. that they're mm-hmm. the real deal. They're not in the conference. you know That, that is what it is. But you know, this is a Washington team who arguably has the best secondary in possibly the nation in, in some of those guys like Elijah Molden. He couldn't play week one. Mm-hmm. He's pac 12 all-conference. He couldn't play week one right. or showcase his stuff against Zach Wilson. I I think that would have been huge for the conference. Yeah, but like no, you said, absolutely. could Larry Scott get it done? I don't know. Uh but I think they should be put on notice. So I would stick with that. Is it gonna happen? Not likely, but you know, it is what it is. We and can wish. It would be good for eleventh. Yeah, eleventh ranked Oregon team, twentieth yeah. ranked USC team. So next question. I know how you'll feel about this one. Chip Kelly will be the next coach to be fired. I am sticking
1: with this one. I don't think I could have chosen an answer quicker than what i chose this one um like i said i just don't see ucla winning any of their next two games um and really after that i think the one game that they might be able to win is that arizona game um, but you never know with with kind of those Pac-12 after-dark games, you know, that's that's a game that's definitely going to be on a Saturday at 10.30 because nobody <laughs> wants to watch it. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I think this UCLA team and, and really the program is a program that's dying to get back to relevancy, and that was a huge reason why he got hired and he has not been successful. Um, I, I just don't see how they can take it any longer, especially if USC continues to, to be successful.
0: I think you got a valid argument there. I am gonna kick that argument solely because I think someone's on his way out. I I mean that that Arizona team is what nine and sixteen, nine and fifteen in their mm-hmm. last twenty four games under someone. I think he's been in the hot seat. He's not getting it done recruiting. I don't think he's really putting in the effort in to get some of these guys to go to Tucson and play for him. Again, I think he's a great coach, but I think Chip Kelly's right. a great coach. They Chip Kelly from Oregon. Kevin Sumlin from Texas A&M, great coaches. I just don't think they're getting it done in their respective mm-hmm. programs right now. I think Sumlin goes first. I it's, This Arizona team, they're projected 0-10 before everything with COVID happened. The only
1: thing with that, though, is I, I feel like Sumlin is tied to, to Ganell, you know, and, and kind of to a certain extent. And Chip Kelly did have or has had three years of DTR and had, have not done anything. This is going to be Sumlin's first year with... Gunnell's being the the you know the starting quarterback, so maybe
0: this is kind of what starts turning them around with, at the same time. Good point. That brings up a good point. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, two more questions for kicking or sticking. We got uh, ASU will recover from their devastating loss kicking or sticking
1: i'm sticking with this one i I think last week's loss yes obviously it hurts um but they can come out with so many positives for that Um, number one that is the toughest team that they will face um you just don't see the nfl you know ready talent that usc has uh and and cal's defense obviously this is the matchup this week um i think at home Another week for these freshmen to kind of get you know their their footing underneath them. Another week for Jaden to be comfortable, and now another week for Sack Hill to potentially prepare w- without Frank Darby. So um, again, Cal hasn't played, so we don't really know what they're going to be looking like. Um, although it was a devastating loss, I would prefer to be in ASU situation where they at least played, they at least got their team on their field, and can kind of make adjustments from there.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on it. I'm gonna stick with it. However, I will, and I'm gonna stick with it again because we go against a Cal team where we are uh, we are projected to win that game. I think Usually we're a four, a four point, point favorite. Play. Yeah, four point favorite coming into that game. We don't know what Cal is like. Um, but I will point out, this ASU team, you look at last year, 5-1 and one heading into that Utah game. And uh, I think they had just beaten Cal. They head into that Utah game. And they, they just can't get mm-hmm. it done offensively. They lose to it in a disappointing game to Utah and as a huge hangover afterwards. Right. They end up playing that UCLA team, uh, your favorite coach, Chip Kelly, they, they destroy them. You yeah. know what I mean? They, they made it a little a little run in the second half there, but they couldn't get it done against the UCLA team. And that hangover really hurt them. So I, could they potentially have a hangover against Colorado or California in their next week, possibly? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna again. I'm sticking with it though because we haven't seen what Cal's like, and they are projected in that game. Uh, But you know, I just wanted to note that before. No,
1: it's a great comparison, especially you know, like last year Utah was our toughest game, and we knew going into that week that it was going to be a physical game, and we kind of you know to to a lesser extent we expected ASU to kind of come out beat up from that game but I, I kind of had the the sense watching the game this week that ASU was not bullied or was not pushed around by AS or by USC I should say um they, they definitely played with them you know the everybody across the field we had ASU making plays, so I think it's now more of we've done this before we've lost before how have we come back from it how can we we um avoid going down early yeah absolutely
0: Last question we have with our kicking or sticking segment. Colorado's coach, Carl Durrell, had the most impressive debut as head coach.
1: I am kicking this one. Um, not to say what Durrell did was not impressive. Um, I just think what Rolovich was able to do. Um, so many people out, start players out, brand new freshmen, true freshmen in and how balanced they were able to to be the yardage that they were able to put, you know, 229 on the yard, like I mentioned, um, like you said, there it's no longer just an air raid. It's now more of a gun and shoot where they are
0: going to be running the ball and they have the weapons to do so. I uh, this one, I, I'm, I'm absolutely torn on this one. I think both had a great debut. I'm going to I'm going to stick with this one. And, and I'm going to say because he did exactly what he said he wanted to do. He said he wanted to play to his strengths and he wanted to have a balanced offense. But he recognized that, you know, I got to play with the guys that are already here. But yet he still had 261 pass yards and 264 run yards. He's, he's familiar with the Colorado team already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Previous wide receiver coach in the NFL. I think his last team was the Dolphins. He was also with the Jets. Great coach. I think he had a more impressive, especially because they were not projected to win that game as well. Washington State was. Mm -hmm. I think uh, his opponent was a little bit tougher than Washington State's opponent. But again, you got to give it up to Nick Rolovich at Washington State. 32 players unavailable, disciplinary reasons and injuries, and he got Mm -hmm. it done with freshman quarterback. Uh, I think his game management was good. So it really could go either way, but I'm going to stick with Carl. Darrell on that one, so yeah. This uh, this concludes our kicking or sticking segment, and now we'll finish with our week two matchup predictions. So we got USC at Arizona. USC comes into this game as a 14 point favorite. This game's at 1:30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. All these games Mountain Standard Time. This will air on Fox. Luis, what you got with a prediction for this yeah. game?
1: No, I got USC here with a pretty convincing victory. Um, I got USC forty-one, U of A twenty-four. Um, I think USC comes off of a obviously, like we've talked about all, all podcast, a very strange but very lucky win, and they ride their their hot hand into a into Tucson to a team that's not necessarily talent wise up to their standards or up to their level so they should be able to go in there you know you you have AC hasn't played yet so we don't know what that new defense will look like um but slovis another year under his belt with this new offense another game uh, under his belt now in this 2020 season so he knows exactly what to expect um they should be having a pretty good game
0: I agree with that for sure. I got Keaton Slovis getting it done through the air against U- uh, Arizona's defense. I don't think they get it done against USC. I think USC wins this game and covers the spread 44-17. So next matchup, Colorado at Stanford. Colorado comes into this game as seven-point underdogs. This game's at 1.30 p.m. on ESPN2. I've got Colorado coming off a high, and I think they're going to use their confidence as a high. I think they come off strong against UCLA but I don't see them beating Stanford. The Stanford team, they showed signs of talent against a good Oregon team, and I think transitioning to a team just not as fast-paced, they're going to win this game. Mm -hmm. I've got Stanford winning and covering the spread 31-21.
1: Yeah, no, that's a a good prediction. It's something close to mine. I have Stanford winning 28-24. A lot of that also depends on if Mills is back um, to quarterbacking that team. Um, This is definitely a a game that can go either or from what we saw in week one pretty balanced offenses so um it'll be a good matchup for sure i I think the fact that stanford is now going like you said to a much more um simple much more if you will black and white team in colorado and its offense instead of you know oregon's high-powered offense so something easier for them i think they come out uh, on top on this one
0: for sure. Moving on, Oregon at Washington State. Oregon is an eight-point favorite in this game. 5 p.m. on Fox. Oregon wins and covers the spread. I think we'll see more of Johnny Johnson in this game as well. I think Oregon's established their run game pretty heavily. I think we know they can run and they'll go to it for sure. Uh, I think they're gonna try. I think they're gonna win and try out Johnny Johnson. I know they have him, and I, I don't want to say try him out as if you oh maybe this guy's not good or not. I just think they're gonna utilize him more in this game. I think they're gonna pass. I, I think they're going to get Tyler Shug some more experience at quarterback as well. I, they're just going to be too much. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got them, and again, Oregon's defense going up against Stanford now in comparison to Washington State. I've got them winning and covering the spread, forty-two to ten.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good one. It's a it's a pretty big win for sure. Um, I don't know if it's just me being a huge JDL Jaden DeLara fan already. Man. Um, I don't know if it's that or maybe it's just my love for high scoring games and hoping that this is one. Um, I do think at the end of the day, Oregon is the better team. They have the weapons all over the field. They have the experience as well, as well as the coaching advantage there for sure. Um, I think they come out with the win 47-35. to 35. Um, I still think, uh, especially with the, the game being there, um, home for Washington State, I think it's a, a little bit of a more comfortable game um, for JDL. He comes out, has a great game. Um, still comes short, but... Big things coming
0: for all listeners as well. We have a five dollar Venmo on this game. I've got that Oregon doesn't give up twenty points. So uh, if that's over, he Venmos me five bucks just so somebody's accountable. Uh, moving on, Utah at UCLA. Utah comes in as five and a half point favorites. Eight thirty p.m. on Fox as well. If this game is played, you know, just just a quick. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Update? Not update. What what's the I can't think of the word. Anyways, if this game's canceled, we're recording on a Monday, guys. So if this game's canceled, that's why. And we're talking about it as if it's going to happen. Now you know why. Mm -hmm. I think Utah wins this game, though, and covers the spread. I'm interested to see what quarterback comes out on top for Utah, though. Jake Bentley or Cam Rising. Uh, Either way, Utah's offensive line, they're just going to have a field day with UCLA's defensive line. If I'm Kyle Whittingham and I saw that UCLA just gave up 48 points to Colorado and Jarek Broussard was... Offensive player of the week and rushed for, what, 184 yards and three right. touchdowns. I'm taking my linemen. I'm going to have my way with UCLA's defensive line, and I'm going to take Jordan Wilmore and Devin Brunfield, and I'm going to run them all day. Mm-hmm. So I've got uh, – what do I got? I got Utah winning that game and covering the spread 35-24. to 24.
1: Yeah, no, I I think this is also going to be another good game. Um, I think UCLA definitely has the ability to win this game. Um, And for a second, I did pick them to win. But my hate for Chip Kelly is just too strong (laughs) to allow myself for that to happen. Um, We do still have a lot of question marks with Utah and its offense, as well as their defense. But like you said, um, looking at how UCLA came out last week, you can't help but just... Hey, we're gonna get big up at the line of scrimmage, and we're gonna dare you to try to stop us, and we'll see if they can stop anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I got Utah
0: winning 27 to 20. 27-20. Cala ASU. ASU comes in as four-point favorites. 8 30 p.m. ESPN 2. I think ASU recovers from their hangover. Simple as that. I think Herm Edwards, I mean, that's a long uh plane ride. Well, it's not a long plane ride, but it's plane ride back and uh I think he, he'll get his team right for sure. We, we don't know what Cal's like, but ASU comes in as favorites, and I think they are the better team anyways. Uh, I'm interested to see if this game ends up being played as well with Cal recovering from COVID. I've got ASU winning this game and covering the spread 38-24. to 24 good prediction good prediction
1: yeah i think this is going to be um a chance for herm to show what he can do and what kind of team he can set forward after a tough loss like that um at the same time how we react and how we bounce back from it um earlier i predicted that asu will bounce back um, and i do think that they will win this game 30 to 21 um i think the offense finally gets going a little bit going into the bigger matchups at the end of of the season
0: for sure, Oregon State at Washington. Washington comes into this game as 13-point favorites. Pac-12 after dark at 9 p.m. on FS1. Last game of the week, Washington's offense is not very strong this year. Freshman quarterback Ethan Garbers is listed at the depth chart to get the start. However, you could see up to three quarterbacks in that game. Again, they were supposed to play week one, but that's mm-hmm. that, you'll see that again with Oregon State. It's all defense for this Husky team, though— uh, Tristan Jebbia at quarterback, a respectable game week one, but again, he's a 12th quarterback for a reason. And this Washington defense with Elijah Molden, uh, McDuffie, they're the real deal. I'll make the statement that, honestly, if Jebia doesn't throw for more than 170 yards in that game, I don't think mm-hmm. he will. I think Husky D will be all over him. It's all a matter if they can get Jamar Jefferson going or not against this Washington defense. Yep. Uh, either way, I've got Washington winning and covering the spread 26-10. to 10.
1: Yeah, I also have Washington winning by a score of 31-26. to I do think, and I do think the the way that offense is set up there in Oregon State is going to be a very simple offense for Agrabia for that reason. Um, Like I said, he's not someone that's going to lose you any games, and they just hope that he can eventually win them some. Um, But yeah, no, the key is going to be Jefferson and what he can do on the ground. That's going to allow some, to alleviate some pressure off of his quarterback.
0: Awesome. Well... That wraps it up. This concludes the second episode of the Pac-12 Delve Into the 12 podcast. Luis, thank you for joining me. Always good to have of you course. on. Of so. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy to make my debut. For sure. And again, like I said, we're recording on a Monday currently. So if games are canceled due to COVID right now, you know why. Uh, let's hope that's not the case, though. Good luck to your teams this week. Injury-free, COVID-free. If your team played this week, you know it was a pretty entertaining week of college football, so let's hope week two does not disappoint. If you didn't play this week, let's hope everybody's back, healthy, and ready to go. As always, I'm Spencer Jarvis, and we will see you guys next week.